This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show is back. Talk Bears with us on ESPN 1000 and the new ESPN Chicago app. discussing the Bears, Matt Nagy also told us that the last three weeks have been flat out the best three weeks of Mitchell Trubisky's career so far. He said in the way he's practicing, the way he leads, all of a sudden he has this confidence and leadership mentality and Nagy said the best part about it is it's not forced. It's coming naturally. That was Melanie Collins on the CBS broadcast today here on the Miller Lite postgame show here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Howard Griffith and Man, Matt Nagy loves to throw it around that hyperbole. The best three weeks, and maybe he really believes it, Howard. I don't know. The best three weeks, uh, the best three weeks of Mitchell Trubisky's career. Um, I wonder is that enough to uh, convince some people in the Bears management that he is somebody who maybe should be the, the answer at quarterback next season? We can't be at that point, can we? We we can't be. We shouldn't be. Okay. But the okay. issue is what's going to be available and what position are you going to be to be able to make that next step. Uh, We shall see. That will be a conversation we will continue to have. But first, I'll let you hear from Matt Nagy, who met the Bears media via Zoom shortly. Number one, I'm I'm proud of our our players and coaches for being able to be resilient and, and, you know, focus in, lock in as to where we're at. I thought in pregame I had a sense of the vibe and energy of where we were. Um, it felt good for, for those guys. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but they proved it. All three phases played together. Uh, this is, you know, the first time all year that we've had that. Um, you know, I can go into all the stuff offensively. I'm sure you guys will ask offense, defense, special teams. But uh, all in all, I thought the first half was really good. We talked about finishing in the second half. Um, I thought our our offense was very efficient in the first half. We got touchdowns when we needed to. It started, obviously, with the, the first uh, – play from scrimmage and, and David having an 80 yard touchdown run, um, you know, run after catch, I thought was big today uh, for, for our offense defense. And then, and then the other thing too, was the selflessness of our wide receivers blocking, um, you know, on the bubble screens and, and the different throws that we had uh, defensively. I thought we swarmed them. You know, we had six sacks. Uh, you felt that. Um, and then special teams wise, we had great field position. We had to turn over and then Cairo's, been, been kicking really well so you know it feels good for us to have this um we're going to enjoy it but then we're also going to reset and refocus for next week matt it's been rough for a while for you guys what do you think this breakthrough today signifies as far as what you have left to go for in the season well it's just a start you know it is a long time that that it's been a while but uh when you go through moments like this you stay resilient you stay persistent and you trust in one another and that's what we've done so we're gonna we're gonna use that moving forward and uh, I just appreciate that from everybody. I got two questions, Matt. Uh, first of all, is that, is that the best you've seen the pass rush this season? If so, maybe what was the key to that? And then Jalen Johnson shoulder injury. Is it the same shoulder that uh, he had uh, surgery on during the uh, offseason? Again, so, so the first thing uh, I, I would say, Brad, in regards to, you know, for us, I thought we did a good job. There was early on in the game, which we knew was going to happen. Deshaun's going to break containment and he's going to make some plays with his legs. And he did that early for the first few drives. I thought we did a better job of, of keeping contain on him. And then when you do that, you force him. And then you get a lead. You're able to kind of pin your ears back and, and let the, the guys that we have up front go after the quarterback. And that's what happens. It accumulates over time. And it's just kind of like body shots. And then 
the further, the, the, the bigger lead that you get, the more you can see that. And then, you know, it, they become one dimensional. And when you, when you make a team one dimensional, uh, that's when, that's when the, the statistics come on the defensive side of the ball in regards to uh, Jalen, uh, you know, for him, I'll have to get more from Andre, but I, I know it's a shoulder. It was the third quarter. He didn't finish. And, uh, you know, he's questionable. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that here moving forward and see the significance of that. Uh, I, I honestly, I haven't even gone to that part yet with, with Andre. Matt, you mentioned sensing uh, some energy in the, the pregame. I'm curious what exactly you were dialed in on uh, in terms of the vibe of the guys. And then also there's an element of, of where has this been to the offensive explosion? How do you explain that, where, where this sort of outburst has been? So I would say offensively, um, like I've been saying for the last three weeks, we're finally, I think we were starting to create an identity. You're feeling it. You're seeing it on the scoreboard. And uh, so when you, when you have that and you, you get, we're not having a lot of third downs. We were getting a lot of third downs early in the season. We're not now. Um, we're scoring points. There's a confidence right now in this offense. And that, that part I appreciate from these players of saying, you know what, we're going to figure this thing out. We're going to get it. So that that's happened there. And then, you know, I don't know. It's just a little something that I just kind of noticed. You never know what it means, but I just, I felt the energy. I felt the guys playing loose. I felt them uh, having that focus. And uh, sometimes you just feel that and, and they, that's a credit to them, man. I don't know if they had a bunch of coffee or what they had pregame, but it, it worked. Matt, um, that first play from scrimmage, Montgomery rips off an 80-yard touchdown run. How big was that, and, and what was the impact on the sideline of a play like that to get things going? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, anytime you score an 80-yard touchdown run on the first play of the game, you get seven points, and your line, your line blocks, your quarterback makes the right decision, and your, your wide receivers block. And then your running back finishes and you get seven nothing lead. It, it's uh, it's a pretty cool deal. So we want to keep that going. And, and uh, we wanted to, we, I think that helped us get going along with the defense playing fast. Hey Matt, you talked about getting an identity on offense the last couple of weeks. What have you seen that leads you to think that it'll work against maybe some stouter defenses that you have uh, coming up? I'm not sure. You know, I think we're just going to play whoever they put in front of us and see where it goes. Yeah, I was going to ask about that identity that you were, you were even talking about coming into this week. How, how did you describe that identity and, and what you established today as you were starting to get into a rhythm? Um, I think you got to be able to run the ball. you got to be able to pass protect. you got to make good decisions. And then when you get the football in your hand, you got to be able to make plays. And our guys did that today. Um, I thought our coaches did a hell of a job, all of us, of communicating and being able to talk through what we like. And then the players got to execute it. They did that. So uh, when we're able to do that, it gives you a chance to score points. Hey, Matt, uh, when, <clears throat> excuse me, when Mac, when Mac is engaged, obviously it makes a big difference for your defense. But I know Hicks had a couple of plays early, but that strip and recovery by Mac seemed to really uh, ignite things. Uh, how much of an impact do you think that had? And just to have him in general playing, you know, that like he does in, in, in a game like this, how, how big a difference is that for you? Yeah, he's an impact player, you know. And so when, you're, when you make impact plays, you, you see it at, and to get a safety at that point in time, to get the ball back, to get two points, to beat guys one-on-one. I mean, uh, you know, he's been, he's been doing that all year long in a lot of different ways. He's had a couple sacks called back from him, and, uh, uh, but that's a part of the game. But trust me, man, he wants it, and he showed it today, and he's going to continue to keep doing that. Matt, was this kind of the uh, game you've envisioned for Mitch? Um, you know, just the, the way he got into rhythm, you know, getting him out in the play action and on the move. Was this kind of him getting every, putting everything together and, you know, both him, the receivers, you know, the play calling, everything kind of coming together? Yeah, this, this, I thought it was great, you know, and, and again, I go back to that Green Bay game. We got behind really early, but, uh, 
he, he was he was doing it then. I thought last week he played a really good game, decision making, making plays. He's in a good place right now, and he's uh, he's he's executing what we're asking him to do. Uh, I appreciate that about him. He's practicing really really well. He's leading uh, all that stuff right now, you know. And then ultimately, what you got to look at for for us as coaches is you got to say, are you scoring points? Are you scoring points? And so when you score points, you have a chance to win. And we're we're scoring points right now. And uh, the, you know some of the stuff we're doing using his legs and doing different things schematically uh, is able to, to give us an advantageous uh, uh, in the plays. And I, I appreciate that. He's doing great. Hey, you talk about that identity. It, it's kind of easy to, to notice that some of David's best games recently have come with Sam Mustafer in it at center. How, how much of a part of the, that identity being able to run the ball has he been for you guys? Huge. You know, that consistency when you have an offensive line and you don't have guys hurt, you don't have, you know, dominoes on that front line it's hard you know and so right now we're seeing it offensively that's a part of the identity that we've been talking about is you have guys that communicate you have a guy like Sam Mustafer that comes in and and has an opportunity to make plays and he's done that uh he's he's uh he's he's, he's a great leader uh Alex Bars to come on in and, and fill these roles Jermaine Fetty to kick out the tackle and do a heck of a job for Cody Whitehair to be selfless and go back to left guard for Leno to stay consistent all year long and and uh, and help us with that experience. And these guys, I would say, you know, you look back at uh, one of the negatives that we had today was probably the the false starts, right? The false starts we had on offense um, with seven penalties. I think four were on offense with it with the false starts. Those guys know that they admitted it. They knew it. We know the whys. We got to eliminate that. I thought that that put us in a hole a little bit. But the other stuff, these guys are uh, they're clicking right now, and you're seeing it offensively. Yeah, Matt, uh, did you sense any extra chip on Mitch's shoulder this week with all the talk about Watson? No, zero. I think he's just been he's been he's been locked in. You know, he's been focused in on trying to help this team win. That's the only thing that every honestly, I, when I say that, some may not believe me. But that's the only thing that we cared about this week was how do we find a way to win? We don't care what the score is. Uh, we're going to find a way to win and then and, and be able to just appreciate each other and, and how hard we play. So. Not one time did uh, did any of that stuff come up. That's just how, how, we, how we were. Matt, with some of the tempo stuff you guys have done, what's been your assessment of, of some of those sequences uh, where you've been able to break the huddle and go and, and what those have done for, for momentum? Yeah, what it does is it, it keeps the defense off balance in regards to the tempo. There's different things we can do off of it. I think that's a part of our identity. If you look back, we haven't done as much of it in the past. We're starting to do a little bit more, and now we just got to – stay ahead of these defenses as to when and how we do it. So it's been helping us. Uh, some of that stuff with the false starts you run into is, is with that, with the cadence. But we're, we're wanna, we've are we're got to practice it. We've got to be good at it. And then we got to make them guess when it's coming and what we're doing. That was Bears head coach Matt Nagy meeting the media a short time ago discussing their 36-7 to win over the Houston Texans to move into, move to 6-7 and seven on the season. A little more upbeat maybe more measured, but certainly a little more a beat after a, a thumping that they were able to put on the Texans. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Howard Griffith here on the Miller Lite Bears postgame show. We're taking your calls, 312-332-3776. What did you think about the Bears game? Are you pumped that they're back in the playoff race? Or was this year a nightmare scenario, the Bears adding some wins that may ultimately be somewhat frivolous? And a Bears player had another milestone. We'll talk about that next. The ESPN 1000 postgame show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. 
This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. It's back. With your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Miller, two-time Super Bowl champion, Chicago native, Howard Griffith. Now, back to more on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Bill Lazor is the offensive coordinator. Matt Nagy gave up the play-calling duties a couple weeks ago. Second goal of the three. One time out for the Bears. Demetrius Harris up top left. And they got the touchdown. That's caught by Robinson. Three-yard touchdown reception. Third touchdown pass in the first half by Trubisky. And a lone fan enjoying it here at Empty Soldier Field. Boy, they are dialing up the right calls today. They certainly were. Kevin Harlan and Trent Green there on the call for CBS. This is the Miller Lite Bears postgame show on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Miller alongside two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. And with uh, with 123 receiving yards today, Allen Robinson went over 1,000 for the season, uh, 1,027 to be specific. And with that, he becomes just the fifth Bears receiver to register two 1,000-yard receiving seasons in a Bears uniform. Uh, Any guess, Howard, as to some of those other four, aside from Allen Robinson? Wow. Wow. That's a good one, right? A couple more recent vintage. I'm sure they'll, uh, once I say them, they won't won't be too big of a surprise. Right. One man who is really the... uh, yeah, so uh, I think most folks will remember, obviously, Brandon Marshall, even though it was a, you know, a mercurial time here in <laughs> Chicago, he was very productive on the field. He had a couple of uh, thousand yard receiving years back in 2012 and 2013. Of course, one of his running mates, Alshon Jeffrey, also did it. Mm. He did it in 2013, he did it in 2013 and uh, 2014. And then we can also go back to Curtis Conway, a man who uh, played during your era, heyday, Howard, back in 1995 and 96. And Harlan Hill did it back in 54 and 56. Allen Robinson has now done it this season in 2020. And he also did it back in 2019, last season. So Allen Robinson has uh, gone over 1,000 yards in consecutive seasons, and he is still awaiting a contract extension. But... It's much better to see him do what he did today as opposed to last week where he comes up short of the uh, first down <laughs> yardage marker there, right? So it, absolutely. we'll take and, it. And, you know, yeah, and, and we'll absolutely take it. I've been having this conversation the last couple of days with a couple of my buddies. Uh, is Allen Robinson a true number one guy in the National Football League? When you think about the other number ones that are out there, is he on par with them? Or is he maybe on the second rung of that ladder uh, when it comes to some of the elite wide receivers that are out there? Boy, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's really it's really interesting, and and I tend to lean towards I I, I put him in I I think I do I put him in the number one category because I do think that when you look around at the receiving options on the Bears roster, you know you know he's the primary target who. If you're a defense, you really he's the guy you want to take away if at all possible. 
and he still continues to be a very productive player. Now, there's been, you know, we've talked about, you know, throughout the postgame shows this season, there's been a few 50-50 balls that I really would have liked to have seen him come down with, and I think you maybe could make the argument that there's a few wide receiver, elite wide receivers in the league who would have. But at the same time, I looked at how productive he's been with with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing him yeah. the ball, and it's hard mm-hmm. to say, boy, you know, he, he – he, he he really does get the job done. And I guess he's not like, you, you know, Tyreek Hill. I don't even, Tyreek Hill's different unto himself because I don't think of him as a traditional number one wide receiver, Howard, because he, he partially, I mean, I, I know it's partially because of his height and it's just the mm-hmm. offense they run in Kansas City, but he's not a guy who you ever think about is going to be fed the ball for a hundred catches a season. You know what I mean? He's going to be a right. guy who takes the top off the defense and he's so explosive. I mean, he he's a number one, but he's not a number one in the traditional sense, right? Would you agree with that assessment? I I absolutely agree with that. But you know, what's what's difficult, I think, with with Allen Robinson because you mentioned it, right? He's clearly uh, the best wide receiver that the Chicago Bears have, but that doesn't mean he's actually has the is the most gifted or most talented guy. I think there are other mm-hmm. guys that have more talent. But when you want to throw the ball to him and you want to get want him to get open, he's your guy. I just think that the Bears may be having an issue when you when you look at him. Is he a top four, top three wide receiver hmm. in the National Football League, regardless of of the team? What, what's going on with the team? Yeah, is he that guy that's going to scare whatever out of? You know, a defense. And no, I'm, look, I'm still not sure he's that guy, but I, I, I'm still in the court of he deserves a contract and should have been paid by now. Yeah, and when you say yeah, you know, top three, four, even five, I think that that those are those are heights that I would have a hard time ever envisioning him cracking that group of players because you know immediately when you say like the top three, four, five guys. You know, like even if you set aside Tyreek Hill because he's not your traditional number one, I immediately think of guys like Devon, you know, Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who the Texans traded away because Bill O'Brien could not get along with him. Now he's been banged up, but Julio Jones, for you know, virtually his entire career, has been a true number one wide receiver whenever he's out there on the field. Now this year, maybe we're seeing signs of aging to the point where you know maybe he won't be considered that type of player going forward if he can't stay on the field. But up until this season, Julio Jones was always, you know, at the top of the list for me of guys who are true number one wide receivers. I think you could make the argument, you know, after seeing what he's done in Buffalo with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs is maybe, mm. estab- is est- maybe establishing yeah. himself as a, you know, a number one. And if it wasn't the fact that it was his only, only his second season, I think everybody would almost immediately label DK Metcalf a true number one. The only reason you'd be hesitant to say so is because he hasn't had the opportunity to prove it for a long, long time. But I think everybody would admit the talent and the uh, what he, you know, what he brings to the field is undeniable. And I certainly would envision him being considered a number one wide receiver for a long, long time. And oh, I, I didn't mention Keenan Allen as well. He's somebody who, with the his uh, precise route running ability is is also one of those guys who I think of as you know a top top flight wide receiver amongst the NFL elites. Yeah, and I think you're right. Uh, I think there's no question about that. And, and I think also it's it's availability, right? Allen Robinson's available. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's 
he can get banged up during during uh, uh, or last week's game, and and you know that he's going to be able to bounce back. And and please understand that I'm not trying to to convince anybody that he's not a true number one, but I just wonder when you think about okay, how much money does he want? Where does he, where does he slot in the National Football League? And, and a lot of that has to do with who's available. If you if he's the top wide receiver that's available in free agency then he's going to get the money that, that he wants. And the Bears need to come to a, uh, some sort of uh, you know position on what they're going to do. But with so much turmoil or assumed turmoil that's going to happen at the head coach and the general manager level, you just don't know whether that deal is going to get done. Yeah, and that's certainly going to be – one of the top priorities of the offseason that Bears fans are going to be concerned about is will Allen Robinson be back? And whatever the future holds for the Bears at the quarterback position, I feel much better about trying to develop the next or the I guess the first franchise quarterback in this organization's history if Allen Robinson is there. Without him, I feel like immediately you're then trying to chase a number one wide receiver who mm-hmm. you know can complement your quarterback. Like and and listen, maybe it gets to the point, Howard, where you are, you know, maybe Allen Robinson won't be here if when the Bears are true Super Bowl contenders with a franchise quarterback, but maybe he can be here to help, you know, tutor the the next franchise quarterback along. Maybe maybe you know, maybe it's only a year if they franchise him next season and you know they have him begrudgingly, you know, stick around on the roster. But I just think you know, because you're in flux with your quarterback position, it's it's to me not a negative to have a guy like Allen Robinson and his capabilities on your roster as you try to figure it out. Because I don't like I love everything we've seen from Darnell Mooney all season long, but you know what? In some ways, like maybe it's just the um, the scout, you know, in me who says, "Hey, I, I I'm always looking for that physical talent," and as and as good and as explosive as Darnell Mooney has been he also lacks the you know the uh the six foot two frame that Allen Robinson has the ability to box you know defensive backs out when when needed and that I don't know it's just that physical capability when you think of the elite wide receivers in the history of the league that's what always gets me salivating and so as long as you've got a guy like Allen Robinson on the roster until you figure out the quarterback position I'm certainly not opposed to trying to keep him around while you figure that spot out but that's yeah, kind of how I, I think that makes it. sense. Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world to keep a guy like that who's gonna who you know you can count on week in and week out to be able to make plays for you. That is uh, two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. I am Jeff Meller. The Bears are back, thirty-six to seven. They put it on the Texans. They moved to six and seven. Does Jeff Dickerson think they're back? We'll find out <laughs> next. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. More post-game coming up. This is the ESPN 1000 post-game show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite post-game show is back. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. We definitely uh, got a, a good bit of sacks today, and it was it was awesome, especially versus a very mobile quarterback uh, in Watson. 
not many people get to sack him often, but I just felt like it was just relentless pursuit uh, from everyone on the D-line, linebackers and things of that nature, and like good things happen when uh, we all hustle to the ball. That was Roquan Smith talking after the game after another Sterling performance. I believe he said a I believe he said a good deal of sacks there as he registered a couple himself along with 12 tackles in the box score. So just more production from Roquan Smith, who's had an excellent season all year long. As the Bears put it on the Houston Texans 36 to 7 today at Soldier Field. I'm Jeff Meller along with Howard Griffith on the Miller Light Bears postgame show on ESPN 1000. And, of course, it's our pleasure to bring in Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for ESPN and ESPN 1000. J.D. is brought to you by Miller Light, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Jeff, how are you feeling about today's performance by the Bears today? Better than I thought I would. About five and a half hours ago, I was sitting there saying, well, at least I can talk to Howard about Illinois and the, the, <laughs> the head coaching vacancy now that lovey has been uh, has been let go but you know what there was a lot to, to like today i mean it was it was the first time all year that they had put together four consistent quarters of football um offensively it was their best game by far uh trubisky was was excellent i mean he he ran the offense the way it needed to be run he made good decisions um he was smart with the football he was accurate uh, he moved the ball around, and, uh, you know, they, they did not let an inferior opponent even think that they were in that game. I thought for a second there that J.J. Watt was going to retire at halftime or Deshaun Watson was going to take a private car to the airport and, and fly somewhere else because um, besides those two guys, that's a miserable team right now. They're, they're in complete chaos and They've got all kind of front office issues and everything. So, anyways, you know, but what the Bears had done before, though, is they would let these, you know, kind of weaker teams hang around, hang around, and then the Bears would make some mistake. And next thing you know, you know, you got a situation like last week against the Lions on your hands again. But it didn't happen today. Uh, there were very a lot of emotion on the sideline. I know people might be like, well, what do they, what do they really care? They know the season is, you know, winding down and. There's going to be some changes, which I still believe probably will happen. But I think it just shows you that they have not mailed it in. The head coach has not mailed it in. There was a lot of enthusiasm out there today. And, you know, what does that mean going forward? I don't know. But it certainly, guys, helps them that Minnesota loses to Tampa. Um, it helps them a little bit. And it makes next week's game um, a little more uh, interesting in the, in the fact that, you know, they're still on the outside looking in. But only one win right now separates, you know, the ninth seed from the seventh seed in the NFC. Uh, yeah, no, I completely, JD. I, I, uh, I was not at all. Um, by by halftime, it had become apparent that the Houston Texans were probably going to basically just do what they could to get out of here with that, without as you know without as many injuries as possible at that point. Because and good for the Bears because, like you said, they they did what they had to do. They took, yeah. they took advantage of a of a of an opponent that was clearly in a bad spot without David Johnson, who we learned had COVID, who was placed on the COVID list yesterday. Brandon Cook's not there. We already knew that Will, Will Fuller was not going to be on the field because of his suspension. So certainly the Texans, you know, in terms of skill uh, players, were completely depleted. Yep. And, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't really have much opportunity to do much at that point. The Bears' defense jumped out on top of him. I do wonder, you mentioned, you know, you could see in the on the television broadcast, Matt Nagy was uh, was frequently pumping up the players. And look, 
it, kudos to him because he did have, you know, a reason to be, you know, enthusiastic along the sidelines. And it was good to see. I do wonder, do you think based on how the bears finish here, can Matt Nagy save his job? Or do you think that's, you know, is that something that is still open for conversation uh, amongst the, uh, the ownership group? Oh, I believe the head coach's position is, is very much open for conversation. I don't believe that has been settled at all. I, I would think it wouldn't have been yet um, because, I mean, there's a lot that I think they like about Matt Nagy. I know that, that the offense has, has not worked. But today was a, was a wonderful exception, but for the most part, the offense has, has been dreadful, and it's really hard to lose six games in a row in a league that is designed for you basically not to lose six games in a row because of parity. And this year, if they, don't, if they end up, you know, missing the playoffs after beginning five and one, um, that's a huge disappointment. But, but, but Matt Nagy is still um, you know, very young in all of this, and mm-hmm. they've won a lot more games than, than they've lost with him. And, I mean, they are still mathematically alive, and they're six and seven, and they've got three games coming up down the stretch, and you don't know, you know what the Packers might be playing for in week 17. You know, Jacksonville's not good. Uh, the Vikings game is going to be huge, that rematch. But I think that's, that's – very fair to say that that's still a very fluid situation. Um, you know, the front office, I, a little harder for me to, to sort of think the same way quite as much just because we all know that there's going to have to be a quarterback search, and that's going to be the biggest priority after they get everything settled as far as the personnel for the coaching staff and the front office and everything, what happens there. And it, it would just be – it would be a harder sell – to convince ownership that those are the people or the, the, the person in charge that needs to spearhead another hunt for a quarterback. So mm. that, that to me is, is, is a little fuzzier, but as far as Nagy, look, they play hard for him. He's into it. You know, he's not mailing it in and uh, Hey, you know, if they win a couple more games here and make it a little more interesting, we will see. Obviously they need long-term fixes and they need some long-term solutions. So I think everything's up for debate, but, I would certainly feel like a young first-time head coach who's three years in that has won quite a few games, and I, I don't think I would be so quick to just let him let him go. No, I, I hear you, JD. Go ahead, Howard. Go ahead, go ahead, Howard. No, no I'll problem. You take it. What what is what's it going to cost financially for the Bears to try to make a move? Do you think? Yeah, well, it's going to cost more than the the buyout for Lovey. It's not going to be $2.5 million, I'll tell you that, which is a lot. Um, it's going to be more like a Texas thing, Howard, to, to use college yeah. football equivalency here, you know? Um, so there's a lot. Howard, it's a lot of money. Um, they right. both have year, a year left on their deals. You know, if you, if you do this, you most for the most part are going to have a whole new coaching staff come in. You know, some of these coaches, Howard, just signed here last year. So they're, they're right. new they didn't come here on one-year deals, you know? So that's going to be – you're going to be paying out a lot of coaches. You'd be paying out a lot of front office members. You know, they would never make a move like, like – you don't, you don't gut your scouting department until after a draft if you're going to make that type of change. But there have been a lot of Bears scouts that have survived from regime to regime. So I wouldn't say they would necessarily empty everybody out. But, but Howard, it's not going to be cheap. And then you factor in this. They're not making any uh, – they're making money. Don't get me wrong. They're not making as much money – because there's no fans in the stand. So financially speaking, this is the wrong year uh, to have to do this, really, from, from, a, from just a finance standpoint. 
Um, salary cap is shrinking next year. You know, there's just a lot going on. So it, it would, I mean, again, I would say object, uh, conservatively, Howard, I would say probably in that $20 million range. I mean, it, w- it would probably cost more, uh, well, maybe a little less than for Texas to get rid of Tom Herman and his, uh, you know, overpaid staff, but, but probably not much less. It's really, it's a really interesting, Jeff, because when we uh, were looking at the schedule last week on the postgame show, you know, we were looking at it and saying, you know what, it's not outrageous to talk yourself into the idea of the Bears, you know, losing four straight to close out the season, which at that point would have been an absurd, you know, 11 losses in a row to close the season. Now that like I think you've made the point multiple times, the NFL almost puts you in a spot where it's darn hard to end up losing that many in a row. But based on what they had left on the schedule, it wasn't impossible to talk yourself into it. Now, after days went over the Texans and the fact that the Vikings, you know, have over the last couple of seasons now been a Jekyll and Hyde team where you never know quite what you're going to get. And the fact that Matt Nagy has actually been successful when they've gone up to Minnesota, it's not outrageous now with the Vikings, Jaguars, and then in week 17, the Packers on, on the slate for Soldier Field where you don't know what the Packers may be playing for, it, it's not outrageous to say the Bears could close the season with four straight wins. They could. Now, it doesn't mean they get in automatically. You know, mm-hmm. that, that would have to do with Arizona and Tampa, right? I mean, I, I still think I don't, I don't have Arizona's schedule in front of me. That's it's a dangerous funny, team. J.D., it's funny you should say that because we brought that up earlier and uh, talked about their remaining schedule. And actually, they've already gotten the, the Seahawks out of the way twice, but they close with the Eagles – Niners, and then they're at the Rams. So, okay, you know, so not, not I mean, hard, but not easy. Well, the Rams game will be hard because unless the Rams have clinched, well, that, that's going to be hard. Uh, too, so it could be a similar situation yeah. for, for the Bears and Packers. So, so listen, uh, anything is possible. But, but what, what I have learned over the years is you don't really want to overreact. Like when a team has played the way the Bears have played and lost six games in a row and then they win one, <laughs> it's it's very tempting to be like, oh, they're back, you know, like oh yeah, mm-hmm. like, here we go. But that doesn't usually work. Let's let's again, and you can only play who's on your schedule. But I cannot stress to you guys enough how bad the Houston Texans are. Like they are worse than I thought. They were. I mean, if they would have been offered a running clock, they would have accepted it today. <laughs> like that's how bad they were. Yeah. So it's not as if they're beating anybody good. Um, and the Vikings aren't a great team, but it's a better team. It's going to be a much tougher matchup. But, yeah, hey, man, Nagy, I don't think he's ever lost at U.S. Bank Stadium. I don't think. Uh, I don't believe the Bears have lost up there in his three years, uh, or maybe maybe once. But it, No, no, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right, J.D. They're 2-0. and And 2-0. this will be the third, or, third time. 3-0, so. right? Or, oh, 2-0, 2-0, yeah, 2-0. And this yeah, will, this will so, be the third one next week. Right, right. So, hey, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's, cert- it's certainly a possibility. But, again, it's one game against a just garbage team right now. So just kind of put it in perspective. That's, that's what it was today. So Bear, Bear fans just need to just kind of sit back and just let the season play out the way it does, right? Well, good, good luck. I mean, I, I tell my son to go to bed at 10 o'clock, and you, you think, I get, uh, <laughs> think he listens to me, or I tell him to stop swearing when he's playing uh, PlayStation. You think that works? Nah, you can't tell Bears fans to do anything. They're going to. They're going to obsess over every win, good or bad. I mean, it's, yeah, there, there, there's, there's no chill mode here, Howard. This is, uh, you know, everyone is um, either either you're one or two camps. Either you're just totally out for blood and you're like, fire everybody, 
or you're a, a, a believer, which I think is a, a rarer uh, breed of, of Bears fans these days that are still, you know, optimistic and, you know, still think Trubisky can, can save the day and, and save the year and everything. So, um, yeah, I, 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 usually in sports, uh, fans are never content to just sit back and let things play out. Like they, they like to, uh, to voice mm-hmm. their opinion and, and get involved and live uh, play to play, but that's fine. That's fine. And I, and I hope that, you know, listen, today was the most enjoyable game that I have covered this year by far. It, it was mm-hmm. the most complete victory. And this is a team that, that really uh, has not had a whole lot of convincing wins, but this this one you can file down, guys. This was this was over by halftime, and with the Bears, that that almost never happens. All right, JD, we'll spring on this. I'm just curious. As good as he looked today, I know it was against the Texans. Boy, if Mitch Trubisky finishes the final four games out, no, stop. I, listen, <laughs> is there based no. on the salary cap production? And the oh, fact, is there no chance? Is there? Is, are you saying zero? Is there no chance that if Mitch catches a heater here in the final four games, is he? Com- are you sure he's done as the quarterbacks as the Bears quarterback? I cannot say. I, I I'm not sure that that I can find my house tonight when I drive home. I can never say like <laughs> I can never say I'm a hundred percent sure. Now, should it be? Look, this is great. This is great for Trubisky. You know what? He's doing a good job here. He's he's piling up some good games. I would think that he, as much as the Bears, needs a break. He needs a clean break. He needs to go someplace else, find a different situation, or he's not walking in as the second overall pick that was taken ahead of Mahomes and Watson. He needs to change the narrative. And a game like this will only help him going into free agency. But, I mean, do I trust the Bears to just say, okay, goodbye? <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, no, not totally, but I mean, I, I think it should happen, and my guess is it will happen, uh, but there's nothing wrong with him playing well here in the final four games because, you know, he has been, look, he, he has not played the way he has to play, but, you know, when he got benched, he was never a problem. He stuck with it, right? He was there working hard. He got an opportunity to come back, and he hasn't been that bad, so... Um, he, he, for him to have these good performances to help him in the future, I, I find nothing at all objectionable to that. JD, do you and Howard want to um, put kibitz over any last uh, Lovey well, Smith mem- for memories? Cell I, don't, I don't have Howard's <laughs> cell. I must, I must, I, he must have blocked me because like, I was going to text him earlier and be like, so what do we got? What, what's on the pipeline right now? <laughs> so, I'll text you later. I'll, find, I'll get your number, Howard. We'll, we'll text you. Yeah. Text I have me. a few ideas. Please. I have a few candidates, but I have to vet, you have to vet them first before I take them any further. <laughs> okay. All right, J.D., we'll let you get a five-hour head start on tucking uh, Parker into bed. So uh, oh, thanks for joining God. us, though, as always, my friend. Uh, these weekends and that PlayStation. All right, guys, we'll, we'll take care. <laughs> All right, All that, right is Jeff, that is Jeff Dickerson. He, of course, covers the Bears for ESPN and ESPN Chicago. I'm Jeff Meller along with Howard Griffith. This is the Bears postgame show. Again, we're here for two hours after every Bears game, so you've got about about 25 more minutes to get in if you have anything you'd like to talk about after a sterling 36-7 thumping over the Texans today at Soldier Field. Up next, we'll let you hear from the starting quarterback that we were just talking about, Mitch Trubisky oh on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 postgame show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. 
Bear, Bear, Bears football. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back with your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Miller and two-time Super Bowl champion Chicago native Howard Griffith. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Touchdown passes by quarterback Mitch Trubisky. 13 of 14. Off to one of the best starts, if not the best start of his short career. Getting time, and you can just tell the body language on the sideline. And we're right above him on this near side of the Bears is really terrific. Oh, it is going well when the body language analyst out. Kevin Harlan, Trent Green. Played the role of body language doctors on CBS's broadcast today, but Bears fans can rejoice because Mitch was all smiles. Those shoulders were upright as the Bears <laughs> put it on the Houston Texans 36 to 7 at Soldier Field today. Howard, what do you, well, before we get to Mitch Trubisky here in a moment, what do you think of the analysis done by people as they watch on TV players either in great moods because they're up by a whole bunch or who are, you know, sulking and disappointed because they're trailing in a game. What, what's your take on that? It's tough, right? It's tough because everybody's analyzing everything you, everything you do. And, and I kind of go back to when Brian Greasy was with uh, the Denver Broncos. And, you know, he would sit by himself all the time. And people mm-hmm. read into, oh, he's pouting. He's not a team guy. He's a bad guy. Uh, and that kind of helped expedite his, his exit out of, out of Denver because of what, you know, people would say about him as he was sitting there on the sideline, but nothing could be further from the, from the truth. He was engaged all the time. They would just catch him on the sidelines uh, in, in a tough position for a quarterback to be in when you're sitting off by yourself. Yeah. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad you, uh, you, you, you brought that example up because bears fans know that, you know, Jake Cutler, you know, whether you, you know, more people I think turned on him because of a few frames that they would be fed via television and whether or not you know jay was it was uh was a good quarterback or a good leader i think some of his teammates have come out and told you he, it, it's kind of gone both ways i've seen plenty of teammates support jay who knew him well but i've also seen plenty of teammates bash jay for his you know his lack of leadership inside the locker room and that certainly is something that you can quibble with you know if, if your quarterback's not a leader in the locker room that is a you know a very bad thing because just by the nature of the position you almost need to be a leader because if you're not it's going to be hard for the team to rally around you but I do think way too much is made of a guy you know his body language on the sidelines from a few glimpses of a television camera that's always on you whether you like it or not and I think sometimes too much is made of that yeah, I agree um, you know what? Let's. Uh, I do want to get to Tr- Mitch Trubisky, but uh, we are going to have a short two-minute break here in a second, so I don't want to make us late for the clock, so we can get to that in a moment. But um, I don't know if you caught this as well, Howard. Believe it or not, Joe Buck, who was on the call for the Vikings and Bucks game today, he mentioned how Justin Jefferson, who I think most people will agree is the leader in the clubhouse for the Rookie of the Year and has been outstanding, the uh, wide receiver from LSU, but believe it or not, Howard, Joe, Joe Buck mentioned how Justin Jefferson might be having the greatest receiving season for a rookie <laughs> in Minnesota Vikings history. And 
I know this has to. I, I I mentioned this because as good as Justin Jefferson has been, as exciting as he has been, there was a man who back in 1998, and I know 98 was a good good year for you, Howard Griffith. But there was a man who was uh, running fly patterns for the Minnesota Vikings back in 1998 as a rookie. Who I will say, I, I I don't care how good Justin Jefferson ends up being this year. I don't believe. Any player will have as big an impact as uh, as a rookie that Randy Moss had back for the Vikings back in 1998. Randy Moss was terrifying for defenses uh, because of just his athleticism, his ability to track the deep ball, uh, and his willingness to really go up and high point it in traffic as well. That is saying a heck of a lot. And listen, Joe Buck has seen a lot of football. <laughs> He's seen a lot of football. So those are high praises. But when you start talking about a, a rookie getting into the, the rare air uh, of a guy like Randy Moss, you know, speaks volumes about him and what he's been able to do. And also says a lot about what Joe Buck has seen, you know, from him watching film and doing that as well. I, I love Joe, but I think he got out out on out ahead on his skis a little bit there be. because, <laughs> like, like I just wonder maybe it just you know like you're he's been doing so you know he's been doing games for so long. Heck, he was there when Randy Moss was you know setting the uh, world ablaze, the NFL world ablaze. Right. I do wonder if maybe he it just slipped his mind like oh wait 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 don't forget uh, Randy Moss had a hell of a season. He scored 17 touchdowns his rookie year, and who could forget the three catch three touchdowns Man. giving against the Dallas Cowboys which put you know motivated him because the Cowboys told him they would draft him and they ended up not. So anyway, that uh, that little uh, mention made me uh, want to note that to you because um, I was anxiously awaiting a Broncos-Vikings Super Bowl showdown that year because I, it was going to be... We were I, I know you weren't because you guys we knew that. The last thing you wanted was the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Not that you couldn't have won that game, but I know you know that would have been a hell of a lot harder than beating the Falcons the way you did in the Super Bowl. Yeah, let me, let, me, let me be very clear with you. Uh-huh. When we saw that Minnesota lost that game by missing the yes. field goal, we were as happy as anybody. <laughs> as you, anybody. Because you guys we knew. knew. Yes. We knew it. Oh, it was no you, doubt that we would have had problems against that team. No you guys, doubt in our mind. You guys knew at that point when uh, Gary Anderson missed the field goal, you guys knew that the back-to-back, it was – you guys could taste it at that point. You knew it was yep. a fait accompli. He that is point, two, we knew we had it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is two-time Super Bowl champion for Griffith. I am Jeff Meller. This is the Miller Lite Bears postgame show. Mitch Trubisky meets the media in just – Don't move. More of the ESPN 1000 postgame show is coming up on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Welcome to the ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. <laughs> 36-7, the Bears put it on the Texans at Soldier Field today, breaking a six-game losing streak and moving to 6-7 and seven on the year for themselves. 
They did so on the strength of three touchdown passes from Mitchell Trubisky. 267 yards passing. He goes 24 for 33 in a game with a 126.7 QB rating. Outdueling Deshaun Watson and Mitch met the media a short time ago. And here's what he had to say. Coming into this game, Matt talked a, a little bit about you guys establishing an identity on offense. And he said it again after this game with all the success you guys had today. How would you, de- just, how would you describe that identity that you guys are starting to develop? Um, I think just a, a balanced football team. I think we just need to continue to run the ball well. And, and off that, just have a bunch of movements and nakeds and just keep keeping with the keep giving keep taking what the defense gives us. Um, and you see the positive plays in first and second down. If you can just stay out of those third and long situations, which we have, and we're just keep moving the ball downfield and keep our defense off off the field um, and let them do their thing. I think we're just starting to establish rhythm on offense. Um, and then the defense doesn't necessarily know what's coming. They run into the pass, and we're able to avoid third downs and just move the ball down the field and stay in rhythm. So uh, it, it's an it, it's an ongoing progress. We're still, still trying to establish that identity, but I think we're starting to find one. And uh, just the way these guys are working in practice, I think it's a testament to just how we went out there today, and it, it's starting to come to life with the execution. Mitch, kind of following on that, when you see David having the kind of game that he had today and has had uh, really ever since you got back in there as starting quarterback, what does that do for your own comfort and, and how does that impact the offense as a whole? I think it's huge. I think um, today it really all started with the offense line up front and they sprung David free on the first play and to start a game with an explosive play for a touchdown like that, I think it sends a message to the whole team and, um, and to everyone about the mindset that we came out and played with today. So. Um, hats off to the offensive line. They played a great game, and David's always running his tail off. And it's just all 11 guys playing as one. I think a lot of times today you saw guys continue to block hard downfield, just being selfless, putting their bodies on the line for the for the guy next to them. Um, doing those little things is, is what is going to make this offense uh, just continue to get better. And I'm just proud of these guys. Mitch, you were, show, you were so efficient early on, and uh, especially through the first half. How did that help you build some rhythm and some confidence? And, and how do you assess your day as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was efficient again. Um, like I said, I just went out there today and took what the defense gave us. They tried to show some different looks and mixed up some man and zone. But I just wanted to find the underneath completions and let these skill players just go to work with the ball in their hands, make them tackle all our ball carriers. And uh, We had some good stuff in the run game that definitely helped us in the pass game. And for me, it just allowed me to find completions, take us down the field and uh, it, it was really good that we finished in the end zone. So we just want to keep finishing with touchdowns um, and keep can, continuing to get better. I thought we could have um, locked in a little more of the second half and really finished um, some more drives off with touchdowns instead of field goals. But I think that's something we can build off of uh, this week. But the way we're working in practice right now, the, our mindset uh, of these guys, just the way they're coming to work, um, uh, we, they deserve this win today. So I'm really happy for them. Mitch, that, that uh, second touchdown drive, when you went eight for eight, uh, the finishing with the touchdown of Jimmy, um, it just seemed like you were dialed in, and you guys as, as a whole group, you know, that kind of set the tone. Uh, what was it like just to be in that type of zone just because the offense has had, you know, so many challenges this season? Yeah, it felt good. Uh, I think dialed in would be a good word, word for it because I don't even necessarily remember that. Um, but t- today my goal was to go out there and be present, just play each play as its own entity, and whatever happens, happens. And then the next play, it's a next play mentality. So 
Um, every every single time, I was just trying to go out there and fight completions, and I think that's what just allowed me to be focused and dialed in today. Um, and then as soon as that play ended, I just forgot about it, moved on to the next one, and, and focused on uh, the, the next task at hand. So um, that's what these guys deserve out of me, and that's what I just need to continue to do. And when you have 10 guys around you playing so well, like they, the way they did today, uh, it makes my job a lot easier. Mitch, to that point, Matt Nagy was saying that all week he sensed that all you were worrying, worried about was getting the win and not the Deshaun Watson storyline or anything like that. How did you do that, and was that hard to do? I think I, I, I was just so focused on what I need to do for my team that it really allowed me to block everything out, else out. Um, just the situation we were in, being on that little losing losing streak, uh, I mean that makes you that makes you sick to your stomach. So I was willing to do whatever it took for, for the team today to just go out there and get a win, whether it was handing the ball off every time or, or throwing it every time. Obviously, that's extreme, but um, I, was, I was willing to do whatever it took to, to get out here and, and get a win, and, and that's what we did. I thought we played really well today. It was a great team win. All three phases really stuck together, um, and we just got to continue to finish in the second half. But. It, it, it was just easy to block out because uh, I knew what I was focused on doing today. Mitch, I was curious what your vantage point was on the touchdown pass to, to A-Rob based on the, the pressure they, they brought and obviously just getting rid of it quick. Yeah, um, they, they brought a pressure. We only had five-man protection being an empty, and I was just looking at the match matchups across the board. And I liked A-Rob's matchup, and they dropped out a whole player late, but he beat his guy across the face, and I just threw around the, the whole player dropping out. And um, well, When A-Rob's matched up, one-on-one, that's that's something we like to take advantage of. So he made a great play. Offensive, offensive line did a great job picking up the blitz, and I got to throw hot off the next guy, which I did, and, and we just made a play. So it's huge for us to, to finish those drives with touchdowns and not focus. Also curious from your perspective, when you guys go up-tempo out of the huddle and then get the playoff really quick, how that helps you personally? Um, it helps declare the defense what they're in faster because we could snap the ball right away or we could check to something else. Um, so I think it's just a mechanism for us that I think it really dials our guys in because there's no dilly dallying or necessarily or anything. You got to get up, get to the line, know your assignment, and and the defense has to get in their assignment either because if they there's a couple times that we can get them out of position by using that tempo, and that's something we just continue to need to emphasize is using our tempo in and out of the huddle, changing it up, and keep the defense off balance, and, but continue to stay balanced within ourselves. So. Um, uh, I think it's been positive. I think it's been working for us, and we just need to keep getting better at it. How important has Allen Robinson been to you the last three seasons? He, he's been huge. He's a, he's a leader of our offense. He's our number one receiver. The way he practices and handles himself on, on a daily basis, uh, I think all the young guys look up to A-Rob just as the ultimate pro, and everything he, he earns on the field, he, he puts in the work for. So. He's a great teammate. I mean, his locker is right next to mine, so we spent a lot of time talking about football and a lot of other stuff, too, uh, outside of football. So uh, he's been a, a great friend, brother to me, and it's been awesome to share the field with him, and I'm just lucky to throw him the ball. Yeah, Mitch, uh, just in general, how big a sense of relief is there to, to get this win? It feels good. It feels good. I think we really need that as a team. Uh, just the way we've been working the last couple of weeks, it, it feels like after a win like that, it feels like all the the work was starting to pay off. And, uh, we just got to have that same mentality going into this week, get back to work, stay focused on the, on the task at hand, um, and try to go 1-0 next week. But it definitely feels good.
That was a very calm Mitch Trubisky after the Bears beat the Houston Texans today at Soldier Field 36-7, moving to 6-7 and seven on the season and on the outside looking in at the playoffs, but now certainly within spitting distance as they find themselves tied with the Minnesota Vikings, who are also 6-7. and seven. The Vikings lost to the Bucks today, and the Arizona Cardinals, who were able to beat the Giants, find themselves in the seventh spot at 7-6. and six. But with some tough games still on the schedule, the Bears have some hopes, Howard, for a potential playoff spot if they can do their job, starting with the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota next week. Just a matter of going out and take care of your business. Um, and Don't also worry about it, anything else. Absolutely, absolutely. Just do what you can here. And if you can win out, which um, may be a little bit easier now if you look at it with the Vikings, Jaguars, and then uh, Week 17 hosting the Packers. But who knows what the Packers will have to play for. Maybe the Packers, without a uh, buy for the number two seed, maybe the Packers more inclined to potentially uh, rest their players if they don't have a buy themselves. You know, uh, with that number one overall seed, the only team that gets a buy right now as it currently stands. So maybe the Packers will be resting their players. All the more reason the Bears could find themselves in a position to win out over the final four games of the season. Uh, on the a- on the afternoon slate of games, if you're uh, just driving around and not sure of what's going on, the Colts are on top of the Las Vegas Raiders, 27-17. T.Y. Hilton's got a couple of touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor well over 100 yards and a score himself. No worry for the Jets to blow this game today as they – have given this one to the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, 30-3 to over the Jets in Seattle. Russell Wilson's already got three touchdown passes himself. The Philadelphia Eagles, a little bit surprisingly, with Jalen Hurts today with the start, they are on top of the New Orleans Saints, 17 to nothing. Miles Sanders has a long touchdown run in that game. The Chargers trail the Atlanta Falcons, 17-10 to in the third quarter. And um, the Detroit Lions are playing the Packers to a standstill right now, 14-14, to as the third quarter is just underway. A couple of touchdown passes for Aaron Rodgers. He's looking surgical, as always, in that one. And finally, in the afternoon, the final afternoon game currently going on, Washington football team is on top of the San Francisco 49ers, 13-7. to We, of course, have the Pittsburgh Steelers heading to Buffalo in a very good matchup on Sunday Night Football tonight. So, We'll be waiting for that one as well. For us, though, here in the Miller Lite postgame show on ESPN 1000, that is going to do it. Any final words you'd like to say before we get out of here, Howard? We're going to start the week off great because the Bears won. So this should be a great week for everybody. Absolutely. Well, that does it for us, folks. For Howard Griffith, I am Jeff Meller. Thanks a bunch to Sean Davis, who uh, produced this bad boy for us. We'll be back with you next week as the Bears take on the Vikings. Same time, 12 kickoff, which means we'll be here right around 3 o'clock for all your post-game needs. But that'll do it for us tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the ESPN 1000 Miller Lite post-game show. Presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. And brought to you by GetCoveredIllinois.gov, the home loan experts, ComEd's energy efficiency program, and Harry's Razors. Bears Talk continues at 7 a.m. with Cap and Jay Hood on the new morning show on ESPN 1000.